It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Uh, there's a lot more people here than there was earlier. Goodness gracious me. Give me a second here. Let me get my notes out. Yuri always makes me sound <clears throat> special, and, and I do value his friendship like crazy. Um, but I've got to tell you, right off the bat, <clears throat> I'm not that perfect Christian. Okay, the odds are I'm that guy that you see going down 98, and you're thinking to yourself, that boy needs Jesus. Okay? <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I'm just saying... That's sometimes the way it is. And on that note, I want to I ask you a question, but I don't want you to raise your hands. I just want you to keep this in the back of your mind for the next few minutes. Do you know Jesus? I didn't ask if you know of him. I'm asking, do you really, really know Jesus? Because that's going to be part of what is weaved throughout this morning. Because I grew up in church, but I didn't know Jesus. And, and I just want you to think about that. I don't know where y'all are from, but I think it's important. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this equation. B plus T equals F. B plus T equals F. What we believe drives what we think. And what we think drives what we feel. I didn't say it drives how we feel. I said it drives what we feel. But there's more to it than that. See, what we, what we believe or what we feel drives how we act. And how we act drives our results. See, so many times people think financial anxiety is about the money. And I'm here to tell you it's about renewing your mind. If you don't know the Bible thing and you're not into the Jesus thing, that means you've got to change the way you think because the way you think is driving you right into financial anxiety. And anytime we have that financial anxiety, we're really honest with ourselves. Life truly sucks. So I want you to bow your head and I want to pray. Lord, I just want to, I want to come here today. I don't know everybody that's here, but you brought people here. And I want you to guide my words. I don't want to embarrass Yuri or Victoria or my family or anybody else. And I want everyone that's here, Lord, I want their hearts and their minds to be open to what you have for them. That you speak through me to them. That is the key. In your name I pray. Amen. I want us to look at Philippians 4, 6-8. It starts out like this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts, 
our minds as we well as you live in Jesus Christ. And now, dear brother and sister, now I want listen. Some of you in here may not be Christians. You may not believe. You may not follow Jesus. That's cool. I just want you to listen to this. But this verse is probably for the majority of people in here. It's to brothers and sisters. And I'll go a step further. There's a lot of Christians, and I'm going to use that parentheses, that loves to judge everybody, loves judge sinners. The majority of the Bible isn't for sinners, and you all need to understand that. The majority of the Bible is for believers. And you'll never see Jesus judge a non-believer. But he had a lot of conversations with them. So think that one through. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Financial anxiety does not bring peace of mind at all. And that's what I want to talk about. Now, anxiety in and of itself is pretty simple. The, 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 the regular definition is anxiety or worry is defined as an apprehensive, uneasy, and nervousness over some anticipated event. Financial anxiety is when we take that definition and apply it to a real or perceived money woe. Now, here's the deal. Financial anxiety to me is that gut-wrenching feeling that I get in my gut where I want to puke. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want you texting me. I'm not answering emails. I don't want to see you on Facebook. I definitely don't want to see your before and after pictures on Facebook because life gets to that point where your heart's beating. And here's the funny thing. You can be sitting here today and say, that's not me. Life is great. Listen, financial anxiety can come if you've got all the money in the world or if you're going straight into bankruptcy hell. It doesn't matter. The trigger is something that the majority of the people probably have never looked to say, why do I feel that way? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you've got financial issues and you see this happening over and over and over, it didn't start when you became an adult. Science will show you that it started when you were in the womb. And when you came out, it's just been continuing. We all have different life experiences. And that's what we've got to look at. I'm going to share a little bit about my experience. In the late 90s, or by the late 90s, my life was a roller coaster ride. I was headed back from Atlanta where I had shifted careers just a couple years before, and I was focused in on financial services, being a broker-dealer. Now understand, I've been a Marine, I've been a bounty hunter, I've owned restaurants, I've turned around businesses, but at this stage in my life, I was helping people invest their money. And I had just been given an award as one of the top 10 income earners in our broker-dealer. And we had tens of thousands of dealers. And I'm driving into Memphis, and I'm yelling at God. And I'm saying to myself, I'm a poser. I made the money, but I knew coming into this year, I had no other deals on the table. All that money I had earned, I had spent. Paige had a brand new minivan. To this day, she loves minivans. Do I look like I should be driving a minivan? Okay. Me, I went out and I bought the most cool teal green Ford Escort wagon. 
Paige hates station wagons. I couldn't afford a pickup truck, not the one I wanted. Station wagons are just pickup trucks with permanent tops. Kids don't bounce out the back. So it worked out perfect for me, okay? But here's the deal. We put those on credit. I bought her, if you're, if you're into sewing and, and doing clothes, my daughter just launched a new business. Paige has been doing this for years. I bought her a brand new serger. Couldn't spell it, didn't know what it was, but I knew it was $5,000. Put it on credit. So here I am with all this stuff on credit. Money had started rolling in. But now I'm driving into Memphis and I'm yelling at God. Why in the, did you allow this to happen? And trust me, I was talking to God. And if y'all think that God can't see your heart and what's in your mind, y'all need to go back to 101. Okay, because if you're thinking it, he already hears it, so I just say it. So God and I are having this discussion. And it's like, why? And here's what he said to me. For about five minutes. And then I heard these words in my mind. I gave you the blessing. The debt's on you, boy. You should have listened to her. See, Paige had said, let's pay off all the debt. But I had financial anxiety. If I pay off the debt, I don't have money in the bank. So let's keep the debt. We'll use the money to live on. It'll fund the business, and I'll just keep, I'll, I'll find another person. That's in my mind. But here's what else was in my mind. You're a poser. You're not worth it. You shouldn't even have gotten those accolades. If they really knew how bad you were. See, that was all fueled. And every one of us in here has a trigger that's fueling us in the back. That's just the way life is. See, my dad started that. You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. Let me kick you in the butt when you can't figure out math. What I didn't know about my dad, and, and some of you in here need to realize this about your parents, very few parents are probably as transparent as I am with their backstory. So you don't know what your parents have been through. I didn't know what my dad was been through until he was on his deathbed, basically, his last year of life. But not once did he tell me he loved me. Not once did he tell me he was proud of me. All he knew is if I kick his butt, he'll become a man. My dad never told my mom, me, or my brother that he loved us. Because every time he told somebody he loved them, they died. Let's go back to what I said in the beginning. What we believe controls what we think. And what we think controls what we feel. He felt... That if he said, I love you, somebody was going to die. Same thing rings true with your money. And if we don't realize that coming into this, then here's what happens. That financial worry, that financial anxiety, any anxiety in your life. If you say, you know Jesus. If you say, I believe and want to follow him. And you have that continual anxiety about everything in your life. Then you've broken the first commandment. Where God said, don't put anything else above me. So many times, we want to breeze through the Bible without digging into it. And realizing exactly what it might mean. What's it going to do? So here I am, dead, busted, broke, not knowing what to do. Going down this road. 
And I'm thinking, what do I do? So I put in a, a cassette tape of Paul Overstreet. And if I lost you on cassette tape, Google it. You'll figure it out. Okay. But I'm putting that in. And Paul wrote a song called Dig Another Well. And it comes from Genesis 26 about Isaac. And I started listening to his tune and listening to that. And then I, I went home and I was reading that. And I realized I can do this. But God gave me three other scriptures to show me where I had been incorrect in my thought process. To start me on a path of financial recovery. And I would love to say that I learned it all in the 90s. But I didn't. Because by the time I'd gotten this far, I was getting ready to go bankrupt. My wife and I's relationship were in a shambles. God and I relationship was in a shambles. Tessa, my oldest daughter, needed a surgery that I was going to have to figure out how to pay for. And she was just a baby. Now, this is very crucial. When you have a kidney problem, even in Destin, you can usually find a kidney surgeon that can take care of you. You may have to go to Pensacola or somewhere, but you can find one. When you have a baby who has kidney surgery, needs kidney surgery, you've got to find a pediatric kidney surgeon. And they make really good money. And because of my financial anxiety and burning through all my cash, if you think I had health insurance, guess again. So I was going to have to figure all this stuff out. We were upside down. But God put me on a pathway to recovery that would probably take another 10 years before I finally got it. But this is the first verse he brought to me. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the most important commandment, the laws of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second, and most equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now here is where it got tricky for me. I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't know. Is that all it takes? But he brought another one to me. Hebrews 13, 4 and 5. It says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, y'all just saw the little deal. We're going to do marriage. Victoria and Yuri, they're good at this marriage thing. Okay, but he goes on to say, don't love money. These two are connected. Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. When those three verses just kept popping up every time I was starting to read. It caused me to realize something really deep, deep inside. Number one, I wasn't putting God first of anything. He was there. I grew up in church. That's a whole nother funky story, but I wasn't putting him first, and then it dawned on me, I didn't even love myself, how in the Sam Hill can I love anybody else if I don't love me, you want to know what's wrong with the world today, most people don't love themselves, that's why the mental disorders are high, that's why people commit suicide, that's why we've got addictions like they are, they're looking for that missing piece, and listen to me right now, and, and I'm going to say something controversial, you're not going to get the answers just from the Bible. 
most people skim over the Bible. You're going to have to dig really deep inside yourself. And you're going to have to figure out what's triggering me inside. If Paul continually kept saying, I've got a thorn in my flesh. If David kept falling over and over. If Judas said, screw this, I'm going to go ahead and, and betray him. If Peter, who in a second can cut a guy's ear off, but when a little girl points at him and says, you're one of them, and scares him to death and he runs, why do you think now that you have the Bible, that's going to make any difference? You've got to go beyond just the Bible. You've got to get professional understanding from Christian counselors who can guide you through the Bible so that you actually can say, now I'm starting to get it. Just like I realized I didn't love myself. But then it goes on and it talks about you can't have an affair. You can't be an adulteress in your marriage. And that's when it dawned on me. I'd been having an affair for a long time. Passionate, exciting affair. With my, with my drive for success, my drive for a bigger bank account, my drive for value, my drive for appreciation, my drive for love, and my drive of self-pity. Because of all those triggers up there that just kept bouncing around on each other. When you're having financial anxiety, if you're married, it's going to most of the time come from two sources. One's internal, you, the way you perceive money and put it above God. The second is because probably your spouse has a totally different perspective of marriage than you do. And, and as an example, because she's not here, she'll probably see this on video. Okay. Paige and I have two different perspectives. If she sees a new pair of boots come into the mail, she says, why are you buying another pair of boots? You've got all these boots on the wall. You're weird. But then when Vera Bradley brings out a new Disney bag, oh my gosh, honey, I need the whole set. The heck, you've got them in the closet. I mean, the kids are going to like, I don't know what they're going to do, kill us one of these days. But, you know, this is what happens. So I want you to go back and I want you to think about this for a second. Our beliefs drive what we think. What we think drives what we feel. What we feel drives how we act. And how we act drive our results. I don't think my dad realized how damaging his words were. Or how damaging his lack of words were. But because he was looking for a certain result. And the pain of losing somebody by saying I love you. He just never said it. My mom and dad were married 49 years before he passed away. So there's no doubt that he loved my mom. Bless his heart. But those are words that you've got to think about because what you think up here matters. Here are the four basic perceptions. I want you to look at these. Actually, wait a minute. I missed a verse. So let me put this verse in. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is His perfect and ple which is pleasing and perfect. 
Now think about this for a minute. I'm going through life thinking, here's what I need. I need the success. If I'm successful, dad will be proud of me. I'm going through life thinking, if I've got money, I can buy Paige whatever she wants. She'll love me. We live in the big house. We got the car. If I can call myself an entrepreneur, I couldn't even spell that daggum word. Still can't spell it, actually. I'm, I'm, everybody's going to love me. And that's not true. That's the world's way of thinking. Hustle, hustle, hustle. No margin, no nothing. And we just went through one of the craziest times in America, and people freaked out because they didn't know what to do with their time, especially when they felt locked up. Divorce weights went through the roof because men and women hadn't communicated for so long because they were working. They were striving for the American dream. So let's look at the four different per perceptions. First is a driver. If you're a driver, money represents success. You crave others, specifically your friends and family, to see you as competent with your money. You fear your friends and family will see you as incompetent if you can't handle that money. Now, you can always take these outside of money, and it's the same way. Oh, if I don't take care and raise my kids right. Oh, if I don't act just like the best husband or the best wife or what, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Second one is an analytic. Money represents security or independence. Ladies, I want you to, I want you, and men too, but ladies specifically. Men, for the most part, could care less about security. That's why we, before we get married, man, we do everything. We go jump off buildings, we go surfing, we go buy anything we want, and then we say, I do. And we walk down the aisle, and two days later, you're saying, I'm pregnant, and we freak out. Because now we've got to be thinking about somebody else. Versus women who most of the time, security is very important to you. So I want you to think that when you're reading this, money represents security or independence. You crave complete control of your life. No chaos, no dependency. You don't want to be dependent on your spouse, your family, your friends. You fear the lack of control over your life or the chaos of being dominated by somebody else. Remember what I said. This starts before we come out of the womb. And depending on the generation that you're in, there was a time where the men controlled and the women didn't, and it was very, very much a one-sided relationship. And if you're going through that chaos that started before you came out of the womb, and you've got to realize that, admirable, money represents love. You crave affection. You may call it intimacy. And there's like, we could go into a whole thing on six different types of intimacy, but in this case, with your spouse, with your family, your friend, you want to feel accepted. You want to feel loved. You want to feel that. So you fear a loss of that affection, a loss of that intimacy, a loss of that time together. And the last one's an expressive. Money represents acceptance. You crave respect, trust, confidence. Men, you definitely want this from your spouse. You want it from your friends. You fear the rejection of those that you love, respect, and trust. All through the Bible, we can find where it says a wife should love her husband. Excuse me. A husband should love his wife. Only a couple of times do we see where it says a wife should love her husband. The majority of the time, it says respect your husband. At the end of the day, we could have a whole little teaching on those two. But love and respect are seen by men and women differently. 
A woman wants to feel that love. Your words aren't going to do it. Matter of fact, I almost called Yuri yesterday and said, I'm out. I'm not doing this tomorrow. Because I'd used very, very harsh words with Paige. Matter of fact, this would be the third time, I think, that Yuri has asked me to speak. And I've allowed my own insecurities of not being a perfect Christian keep me off the stage. Because your family, it's not like when I'm speaking in front of thousands of people and I don't have a clue who they are. Here, I really don't want you going down the street and saying he, he needs Jesus. Okay. But instead of doing that yesterday, because I knew all that was, was my emotional stronghold and what I believe was the evil one just not want me on the stage. So I did. I just came on through it knowing that it would look hypocritical or could look hypocritical to my wife. That's tough, but it's honest. See, too many times we come into this place and we want to act like everything's perfect. We want to act like the, the Christian that we think everybody else wants to act like. And it's not. And when you've got financial anxiety and it's burning a hole up here and you're scared to death because you don't know what's going to happen, Sometimes you don't even want to go to church. And that's something that you've got to think about. I want to go back. And I want to look at... I want to look at Philippians 4, 6 through 8 again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. His peace... Will, his peace will guard your hearts and mind. You know, the funny thing about this is I'm looking down and then he flips it and I'm looking up here and it freaks me out. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure. Did it again on me. Loving, admirable. Think about these things. They are excellent and worthy of praise. When we have financial anxiety... That's not what we're doing at all. We're trying to burn through this thing without paying attention to it. I want to get back to my story. The late 90s was crazy. We went bankrupt. Tessa did get her surgery. It was phenomenal. Paige's writing career took off. She was excited. We ended up owning a restaurant, turned the country club around, uh, worked on a couple of Cases where we're able to break through some political corruption. It was a really interesting 90s, to say the least. But then in 2000, something happened. In 2000, our life changed. In 2000, we moved to Destin with $5,000 in the bank. No job. I'd lost everything by then. But I had a part-time job with the census. It was going to last six months. And that was due to my military background. That boosted me above the normal person. So I got to become a trainer for people working in the census. And from that point forward, things really shifted. Paige wrote 30 books, four bestsellers. Two of them went into hardback and went into the library. She did great. Sounds like a good story. Except because I didn't know all this stuff back then. My oldest son served half his life in prison or on the run. My middle son, who has a lot of addictive problems, Ended up on life support for almost a week. Paige flew back home to be by his side, never knowing. 
what would happen. They'd found him comatose out on 98. My youngest adult son is now serving time in prison. Had I known all of this that I'm sharing with you now and lived it, they might not be in the positions that they are today. My two baby girls are now grown. One of them is married, has a grandson. The other one just finished a four-year college degree, going to be a teacher. All my little ones you guys know, Jetty, Lena, all those that are here all the time, God's blessed them with such beautiful people here. But I went bankrupt again in 2010 because I wasn't living the way I wanted or should have been living. My marriage continued to get stretched because when I moved to Destin, I became the executive vice president of the world's largest support and training company for the direct sales industry, and my career exploded. When I left that company, I'd had enough influence to do a lot of great things with a lot of great people. But then by 2013, as Yuri mentioned, at Catalyst, I get notified by my attorney that I had that the Securities and Exchange Commission had just settled our case where they had charged me with promoting the world's largest Ponzi scheme based on the amount of people who joined that company. There was a million people joined it in 18 months. I thought my whole life was devastated. My whole life was gone. I was setting up there where I usually sat. I guess it was January 2018. Yuri was preaching and and doing a series on the blessed life. And that's where something happened. I read Matthew 6.21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Then he gave me Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. See, I realized setting up there that the reason my marriage was funky, the reason my relationship with my kids were crazy, the reason my financial life was going like this the whole time. And I mean, look, by 2018, I mean, I had helped bring into America the keto movement, the CBD movement. I was sitting on boards of publicly traded companies. None of my past mattered to any of them. I just disclosed it all and they said, we don't care. And we were doing great. But inside, I still had that anxiety. When's it all going to go away? When am I going to lose it all? And these two verses made me realize if I don't put my heart, my tra- what I treasure most into God and into Paige, then it isn't worth anything. At all. The kids are going to leave. The money's going to be gone. And at the end of the day, all I have, going back to those two commandments, is to love God and love Paige. And then I realized something else. I, all this time in church, and, 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 and Yuri's got a good friend who preaches at, here in Destin. I used to go to their church, and, and I never once wrote a check, use some kind of online recording. I'll just give you my money when I want to give you my money. So I'd never given God my first. It was always second. Oh, the youth are doing something here. Let's throw them a little bit of money. 
Oh, Jetty needs to go on a youth trip here. Let's throw him a little bit of money. No accountability whatsoever. And I'm sitting back there. When I hear you need to give God your first fruits, not just your money, your time, your energy, your efforts, everything. And those two verses triggered something in me. And in the last five years or however long it's been, everything, every revenue that rolls through our doors, the first part goes to him. Every moment of my day when I wake up, my phone doesn't come on for two hours and that's his time. And listen, worship isn't listening to the band up here do their thing. That's cool. I mean, I love that. Trust me. And that can be part of your worship. But if you're not getting down and dirty with God, then you're not worshiping with God. You're not hearing him. Most of us, here's what we do. We pray, oh Lord, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. And then we're off doing our own thing over here. We don't hear what he has to say. And I'm going to throw one in here for you real quick. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, don't expect to hear from God. God forgave you of all your sins, so you better get off your butt and forgive everybody else. Because you're never going to get the answers you want while you hold an offense against somebody else. It just won't happen. I still screw up every day. This whole arm, nothing but a reminder of me of the love that I have for my wife. From top to bottom. I have a tattoo on my back that says tempered night. I mean like across my back. Because I realized something. I'm nobody's knight in shining armor. I'm not going to come and I'm not going to rescue a client. I'm not going to rescue the damsel in distress. God rescued me. I don't have armor that looks good. This right here is because my son knows how much the armor of God means to me now. And every day I put that on. And every day I know when I bow, God sees that I understand. I've been through the fire. Most of it my own dadgum fault. And then he took the rest and put something together for me. You have that financial anxiety. If this meant something to you today, if you can feel the difference in your heart and what you're supposed to do, then today's the day you need to make that shift. I want everybody to stand. If you're struggling right now with financial anxiety, any anxiety for that matter, but if you're wondering where in the heck is that next paycheck going to come from? If you're wondering how am I going to take care of this, this health issue? How am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to take care of my family? And you're letting that get to the depth of your heart. Then I want you to raise your hand. And I see those hands. If you're here today and you say, look, dude, I don't even know Jesus. Let alone the rest of this crap you're talking about. Then I want you to raise your hand too. Because the one thing I know from my life. Is that knowing Jesus isn't going to fix all your doggone problems overnight. But knowing him starts you down a path that can change your life. I want to pray real quick. Lord, thanks for these words today. I hope that they, they helped start the people here down a path, Lord. 
I hope that people understand that, that you can wear the title Christian and it doesn't mean you're not human. It doesn't mean we're still not going to go through some of this. And we're still going to struggle. And no matter how much money we have or how much we don't have, at the end of the day, we're all humans putting our pants on the same way. And Lord, I just pray right now that you will come in and listen to their hearts and give them what they need. Lord, I know there's people here that don't know you. There's people here that want to know you deeper. They really want to know you. And if you're those people, I want you to repeat these words. You don't have to say them out loud. I don't care how you say them, but I want you to repeat these words after me. Jesus, I can't handle it any longer on my own. I really want to know you. I'll pray today that you'll take control of my life, take away my anxieties, and most of all, forgive me for the way I've been living my life, trying to do it all on my own, I just want you to take control today. Amen. I want y'all to look up here for a second. And Yuri's going to come up and close this thing out. There's no magical prayer. There's no magical fix. It took me close to 15 more years and a whole lot of, a whole lot of struggles. I've built a wall from the floor to heaven between my wife and I in a lot of areas. And every day I'm hoping that one more brick will come out of that. Every day I pray that my daughters don't have daddy issues and that they learn to love their husbands through what they saw me do wrong more than what they saw me do right. But if you'll start today and say, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm going to start down this path. I'm going to start loving myself more. I'm going to start loving my, my neighbors, my family. My, I don't care what it is. If you start that today, I guarantee you, you're going to stumble forward. You're going to trip. You're going to sin. You're going to be joining me as that guy needs Jesus when you see him going down the street. But if you do it, he will take care of you. Y'all have a seat. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.